0: This is Tony Reed from Moss Generator, and you're listening to KFMP Misery Point Radio.
1: Thanks for joining me again on Misery Point Radio. Appreciate you dropping trow and taking that raw dog style by joining me here, you know where, in the wasteland. But today, my completely virtual and almost entirely symbolic friends, I've got an extra special grab bag of awesomeness just for you. And you don't even have to sign up for my OnlyFans to get it. That's right, I'm going to give it to you the way you like it, and I'm not even going to make you beg. What can I say? I'm starting to get a little soft in my old age, uh, I guess. Take that as you will. Anyway, today's guest is a true local legend here in Kidnap, I mean Kitsap County, though his influence and impact on the music industry reaches far, far beyond Washington State or even international borders. Perhaps most well-known for his work with the legendary Moss Generator, he has been prolific in not only writing and performing his own music, but also in serving as an engineer, producer, mentor, and driving force for countless bands with Pacific Northwest origins. I'm talking about the one and only Tony Reed. And since Tony lives just a stone's throw from me here, he stopped by the Misery Point Radio Studio for an awesome in-person chat about some of the badass things he's working on, as well as some good old-fashioned history, which I promise you is full of my usual random rabbit hole shenanigans. We talked all things Moss Generator, including the status of the upcoming new album, his absolutely epic solo album called Funeral Suit, his iconic record label, Music Abuse, and his numerous other projects, past and present. This was a really awesome conversation that I've wanted to have for a long time, so I'm glad that the voodoo mind control curse finally worked and we were able to make this happen so put that rain and blood vinyl on pause change out of that funeral suit and check out this candid conversation with a seattle area icon hey tony welcome to the show brother honored to finally have you here thanks for making the very long trip out you know from down the road
0: All right about 15 minutes away <laughs> thank you for having me
1: yeah of course um So, yeah, I'm from this area in Kitsap County, been here for, you know, 40 plus years. So I'm, I'm quite familiar with all the stuff that you've done over the years. And when I thought about having you on, the one thing I kind of went over in my head was, I don't even know where to start because you have just so many things that are always kind of happening. But as it turns out, when we first talked, you're like, you got some new moss stuff kind of coming down the road. So I guess that's a that's a good uh, a good launching point. Let's kind of talk about uh, Moss Generator. You know where it's at and what you got uh, going on right now.
0: Well, try to keep even in in times like so. We haven't made a record since two thousand eighteen, and is,
1: uh, Shadowlands. Yeah, yeah.
0: But there's so much in the vaults that we've released like five 12 inch records (laughs) of stuff and well there's live stuff there's stuff that's left over so we're always trying to keep something so people can see what we're doing there's reissues and stuff so and the and the reason being that we uh you know we don't have anything new right now is because we all live like john our drummer lives in texas and sometimes Boston, he goes back and forth. And Sean lives in, up north of Seattle. So just any time to get together is usually spent to prepare for a tour. Right. It's actually not spent, you know, we might try to cram in a few songs when John O shows up. And uh, the last time we were actually in the same room together was October of 2019. Man. Which we had some gigs with Clutch and Red Fang. And then we came up, and we we had recorded some ideas at that point, but those have just been sitting around. You know, I can send them tracks, and Jono can record stuff down there, but we prefer to to get in the room together and try to work it out that way.
1: Yeah, it, it the where the world is right now, as we were talking just a few minutes ago, of uh, everybody kind of just now working virtually, whether or not it's for your you know professional life or you know your 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 other things that you do. But people are so used to just sharing files and you know cutting and pasting and assembling it's just such a far cry from you know back in the days of uh, everybody you know being in the same room and you know recording a live set or, or jamming or you know whatever the case may be it's just i'm still kind of wrapping my head around it even though it is for all intents and purposes kind of the reality of things
0: yeah and and sometimes when we get through and record we we uh some songs are done the live way and some songs are built and it really depends on how much time we have and how the ideas is, is formed and constructed. Sometimes we just, I just start working on it in the studio after this weird drum tracks recorded and then I make something out of it. Right. Out of necessity that we didn't get time. So now Jono's coming up in a couple of weeks in like a week and a half, he'll be here for, for 10 days. And he comes back in. August for two weeks and we'll take those days to work on the ideas that I have and record. So two, two sessions, which is way more, having, having almost 30 days is way more than we've ever had for making a record in the last five years yeah. for, for writing and recording.
1: You know, I was uh, reading up on, on some stuff and I wanted to kind of read this, this quote in regards to, I think the approach you're going to take with this and and it says There will be quite a few new ways that we'll approach the new Moss Generator record. Um, Our playing, writing, and recording styles will be reevaluated. I feel like I'm finally ready to bring to the forefront styles of music that aren't always apparent in my writing, but that I enjoy as much or sometimes more than the heavy rock that we're known for. I want to dig into that a little bit, if that's cool with you. Yeah, that's perfect, yeah. So so what is, I mean, I, I... I listened to Moss and, and uh, for a long time and your sound has always been relatively consistent, you know, maybe the recording sounds different or, you know, the ambiance, but the style and the execution has remained, you know, pretty, pretty solid. So um, I'm curious then knowing all the other kinds of projects you've been involved in, what, what is going to be some of those different approaches that you're going to be using or what are going to be some of those approaches?
0: Well, we agreed the original rhythm section. Now there's a different rhythm section on the band. And in the beginning of this group in 2000, we said our, our foundation is going to be the, the music we loved when we were teenagers, you know, Sabbath, right. Maiden kiss, you know, all that kind of just, just heavy rock. And so I've kept that as the, as the foundation and, and I still will, but, if you note, if you listen to the catalog, you'll hear little things thrown in here and there. There'll be like a little uh, uh, curveball in this song or that song. Well, now I feel like um, I can kind of bring more of what I like into it. Electronic music, as far as, you know, I like some Brian Eno style stuff or or 70s uh, uh, Bowie or... Um, You know, just or even like early 90s, like indie rock, Mm -hmm. because I was in, I was playing in bands back then. So they'll just be little stylistic things. I also reevaluate, like, I'm a a master editor. I don't like anything on the songs that what I feel is not necessary. I want to always get to the point and I always want to get moving on it. I feel like people get bored too quick. So I'm reevaluating that like, okay, we could run this riff out another 16 bars or another 32 bars and and get a real good feel going on instead of just changing it or ruining, not ruining it, but interrupting that feel. So that uh, we're going to go, now that we have time, we'll use different kinds of drum sets for different kinds of songs. We'll bring more of a jazz feel to the overall sound. And more progressive rock for sure. Nobody back more than I think. I'm just really trying to channel how I wrote music when I was in my early 20s, which had uh, a less of a restrictions on it. I was taking in so much music in my late teens and early 20s. I couldn't funnel it all in to one one band. I tried. If you hear that music, it is so crazy with influences. And now as I've spent a lot of time working on Songcraft, now I might be able to funnel that in on top of the, the core sound of the band more efficiently than maybe I could have when I was younger.
1: Yeah. I think also the fact that not only have you been performing and and writing and playing all these times, but you also produce and work with other bands. And so you're seeing how other people are kind of incorporating their own influences. And so you're kind of by proxy exposed to their exposures, which uh, you can't help, but probably go, Oh yeah, dude, that's badass. Or that was a great idea. Yeah. Uh, Do you find yourself like, as you're working with bands, really kind of paying attention to what they're doing? Or are you just kind of more focused on the physical aspect of it i don't
0: feel like the bands that i'm working on have much of an influence but there are existing bands that i hear and i go this band is actually exists in this time period yeah they're doing something that that is is turning me on like i was a teenager you know what (laughs) i mean that's rare now to hear something i only get really into stuff that i hear from the 70s that i never heard before I rarely get turned on by bands that are active now. Yeah, and when I do like bands that are active now, I you I find out they're around my age. So, <laughs> well, and that's how why I understand it so much because we probably came from the same place. Yeah, but yeah, but and I'm you know I'm working with uh, doing some pre-production demos with a young band right now from south of Olympia called Face the Sun, and they're you know they're 20 years old, but they're coming in with. Actually they actually—they really remind me of me or Kitsap County in around 1990, 91. I mean, they—I can pinpoint bands they sound like from here. Yeah, they wouldn't know that, except for for 12:30 Dreamtime, which they've—they've they've looked into my catalog. That's why they asked me to produce the record.
1: Ah, gotcha. They're okay. like, okay,
0: we're totally into what you do and what have done. We would like you to to you know, we've got all this money saved up for you to really produces. So we started doing those and so I was really excited to and inspired by these kids taking some crazy chances. And 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 I'm also finding with this band and other stuff that another band I'm working on now from Germany massive 90s sound. The, you know, the band from Germany is like you know, they sent me the first track to mix. I'm like, sounds like Smashing Pumpkins. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And I mixed it in a in a Steve Albini way. They picked right up the. So every song that they that I sent them, here's my here's my mix of it. They're like, you completely understand, dude. You you got it. Like I said, well, I saw all these bands. You know, right? I saw Nirvana in a garage. I saw, you know, uh, Allison Chains at the at the com- in a community center in Bremerton in 1989 you know, all that. So so they're all stoked on that. Right. But, uh, so I'm seeing a nineties resurgence, uh, in a lot of, even the heavy, these are what you consider like, you know, in the stoner rock
1: Mm -hmm. movement. Yeah.
0: Um, but, uh, yeah, so I'm, I, and, and doing the production I've been doing it since 95, I opened a studio in 95 in the in manette in manette across, Minette, across yeah.
1: from the old east side tavern yeah. right i yeah. remember that i was going to bring that up later on but uh uh and i I, th- I think i remember even your setup it was like a like a digital eight track kind of a setup it was a
0: quarter inch <laughs> real to eight track yeah it, and okay. i didn't have it i had one reverb unit no compressors i didn't know what compressors were all my microphones were like I, I think I, I took my mom took out a loan for a thousand dollars for me to buy a couple of microphones and I, most of them were radio shacked is what I had. Cause I grew up doing tape to tape. Right. You know, and, and when I was young, I would two two tape decks with a little realistic mixer in the middle. <laughs> I still have that mixer. And, uh, uh, so by the time I got to an eight track, it was amazing. When I discovered a four track, it was amazing. So a lot of the early demos were four track, but I think learning how to engineer and try to make the sounds that I wanted that of 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 the stuff that I like to listen to, I was trying to make those sounds on a four track and right. then on a you know on an eight track. So uh, you would work those microphones and those equalizers to the max. And get, I got some really nice recordings out of those, out of that equipment. And
1: you become the master of track bouncing. Um, Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> I also remember, you know, using even before I, because I had a Fostex X twenty eight four track. That was kind of like my my first one I owned. And prior to that, I remember having two of the old school style, just tape recorders. And then you would record on one, you know, you'd play something on it and then on the other one you'd be recording and then maybe having somebody play drums and then you bounce that back over to the other one. And then now you'd record a vocal track and then you bounce that back over. Um, Yeah, that. <laughs> yeah,
0: I did. I did that for the first three or four years that I was learning how to record. Yeah, some of my first recordings that I ever were commissioned to do were were when I moved here, and they're two track. They're the two tape decks. Yeah, with the realistic mixer, and the, and I would use like I had a PV, uh, a PVPA, and I'd put the drums through that sub mix the drums, and you know, <laughs> and it, yeah, it was in. I did a lot, hundreds of songs that way.
1: (laughs) That's crazy. So, yeah, I I remember uh, just seeing your studio, not seeing, I mean, there was no signage or anything, but, you know, people kind of coming in and out of there. And uh, I used to go, when I was about 16 or 17, um, I was in a band and we were playing (laughs) at the East Side Tavern, you know, which you couldn't get in there ahead of time. But, you know, we'd be waiting out in the parking lot, you know, uh, kind of playing shows in that whole minute area back then. Uh, I just, I remember hearing, always hearing about you, uh, hey, there's somebody here recording bands and he'll record heavy bands, you know, because back, you know, when you're yeah. playing with stuff that we were playing, uh, you know, nobody wanted anything to do with any of that kind of stuff. So you kind of had a had a reputation even back then for being willing to work with some of the artists who were newer and who were who were playing maybe some metal or some of the harder kind of rock stuff. And a lot of the other people that were working with bands wanted to do kind of more more blues or traditional kind right. of rock and stuff yeah. like that. And I think the Kitsap scene kind of early on had, um, tendencies to lean towards the heavier side. Absolutely. Of things. And, yep. uh, I, I always, I, and we keep talking about going back, you know, to the nineties and stuff, but that was, uh, that's to me that I, I, still always think about that era. And, uh, of course, so you were recording bands and playing in bands and just and working with, with, uh, with lots of different people. I always thought that was fucking badass. And you mentioned 1230 dream time, uh, which of course was, uh, kind of a, a force uh here in in Kitsap and then uh you went on to work with you know a Tree People kind of later on which mm-hmm. was also kind of a departure I think as far as sound from what people might have thought you would have been doing. Yeah. Um but uh, and you know Moss Generator has consistently stayed I think at the forefront of kind of the the heavy rock scene and I'm sure you guys get lumped into you know like the stoner rock or the doom rock kind yeah, of stuff absolutely. quite a bit. But um I can definitely hear, you know, those influences, like you were saying. I mean, at first you get that hit of Sabbath, you know, it's kind of some of those, especially with like the bass grooves and things like that. But uh, you have a really eclectic, I think, uh, surrounding of just all kinds of different music that you are listening to, and and I see some of your posts and things like that surrounded just by thousands of vinyls and. You worked in record stores back in the day, like Bremerton Records, I think I want to say. I remember one of those. uh, Yeah, I worked at Peaches. Okay. (laughs) And I worked at, uh, what was that? Northwest Records. Northwest, yeah. Redwood Plaza. That was in the Redwood Plaza. Redwood Plaza was super badass back in the day with, of course, uh, the record store, the comic book shop, the movie theater, and the the family fun center, the arcade. Uh, Yeah, those were good times. And we're going to talk about another record store that you are somewhat involved with uh, here, a little bit later in the show but I wanted to get back to uh Moss Generator after taking you down that big long rabbit hole and maybe you already answered this and I'm old and forgot already but where are we at with that album is that pretty far along in production or is that still kind of getting off the ground
0: Oh no we haven't even started tracking Oh yet. okay no, got it I'm just sending them riff demos okay. I mean cuz you know I can record the whole songs all by myself and just send them the parts and but I don't. I didn't want to really do that. That I knew we were going to be able to spend some time, so I want input. Oh, gotcha. Input, okay. You know, um, so I'm just a couple of the songs do have almost completed parts because I was going to use uh, use them for a solo album, right? And I decided to go ahead and use them for this. I mean this is not set in stone, but we're pushing for a possible double album. Oh, wow, Yeah. okay. Because there's a lot of material, even like the first song's 15 minutes. So I can just take up, I know what's gonna be the first one on the album and it might as well just take up the first side.
1: Very Iron Butterfly right there, yeah, huh? One of my favorite bands, actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think you know, everybody kind of knows them, you know, for like, In a Gata De and of course it's a great song for, for what it is, and it's cool, but I think really, they just got that reputation for, just jamming like we're just a jamming band kind of like the Grateful Dead almost you know like they just get up there and push the record button and you know free flow it and awesomeness kind of comes out so uh yeah that's kind of cool I mean a a double album would be badass um you know I I think you know it hasn't been terribly long since Shadowlands came out so it's not like people don't have like you said access to material to kind of keep their appetites going up until that
0: and And we've been releasing, like I said, either reissues of long out of print records like the Lantern came out earlier this year, and which was a a ten inch that came out in two thousand and seven, yeah, but now it's got a, a well it's a different name and a different album cover, a remix, and a better format ten inch picture disc is probably one of the worst sounding things, so those songs never <laughs> got the proper, so now it's out on twelve inch it's remixed and and, uh, so there's, there's a reissue of the first album coming out. Yeah. There's, we did a bunch of splits and EPs over the last couple of years. So there's material all over the place, you know, trying to, but I'm almost out of the vaults, even though, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's almost just live shows now. Yeah. You know, there's something in the works for, a, um, like, uh, all of the seven inches that came out, just a record of, so you don't have to put a seven inch on. You got a record of all these songs that were only released on short run seven inches or EPs all in one spot. And uh, we just put out a a fanzine with the flexi disc in it.
1: I was going to ask you about that fanzine. So that, I guess that's great. Let's just, let's just rock into that. So that, was that your idea?
0: Yeah. So it's not, it's, it's a bandzine. It's not a
1: fanzine. Nobody else, (laughs) no fans
0: wrote anything in it. Well, I did ask questions online. Sure. I asked if anybody has some questions, Put it down. We'll put it in this fanzine and answer the questions in the book.
1: I uh, I love the idea of a fanzine or a bandzine because again, it kind of brings you back to the old days. Remember back in like the oh, tape, yeah. the tape trading days, yeah. and you know the the seven inch days, and and you know you had all the. All the cool magazines, you know, like Circus and hit Parader and all those. But then you had those little indie kind of like somebody made them in there. rock and, and roll yeah. and flip
0: side and all those. Yeah. yeah, and that's why I put a flexi in it because it's it was real punk rock to put a flexi disc in <laughs> something, you know. And that's that's a another huge part of my history as a music listener is is hardcore, you know, from the '80s. Uh, you know, punk yeah. and hardcore is a huge part of my background, you know. And although we, well, we did release an album of hardcore songs that I wrote in 86 and 87, and we just re-recorded them. And when we play those live, they're like really fast and just do like discharge or, you know, stuff like that. And we we pull those out and people are like, what's going on here? <laughs> like one time we played this huge heavy fest and all the bands were super slow and heavy. We opened up with those, with two of those songs that are like a minute and they're super fast. People are like, what the hell's going on here? But it was cool to have, okay, wake up, let you know we're going to play something fast. But uh, yeah, yeah so we try to do weird things like that we did that record where we recorded in an airplane hangar and uh was filmed like beautifully filmed by chris chris matthews and uh it was uh we had two extra members and i brought out some weird keyboards and played acoustic and played electric and 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 so we just try to keep our catalog flowing into different areas so that when we do weird things on our main records, it's not such a surprise.
1: Yeah, that actually, it does work because, you know, I think part of one of the things that, that bands or musicians or artists, whatever they get, they get kind of railroaded into what people expect their stuff to sound like. And you feel sometimes stifled, like, well, you know, maybe I want to mess around with this. And so do I, do I do this as just a solo project or can I incorporate this into my, Current lexicon, you know, of whatever, but you've kind of always thrown stuff out there just randomly, like a, uh, you know, here's a piece with like maybe some piano music, or here's a piece with just a a really slow kind of a tempo. So uh, I kind of think you've always experimented a little bit within your standard uh, catalogs.
0: That's, the, I mean, that started pretty much with Moss. It started with the second album. The first album is just a straight up. Heavy, boogie, you know, record. And then right on the second record, we started to experiment. Experiment heavily. Late Great Planet Earth is very experimental, progressive, heavy album. Yeah. It's in the the works right now for a 20th anniversary box set coming out. I've been working on the design and working on the specials. It'll be three albums. Right. With all this special stuff. So that's been pretty nerve-wracking to do in between working with clients <laughs> and 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 then trying to to write a record. Yeah. You know, I think I feel like I'm putting a lot of I'm putting a lot of um pressure on myself for this next record and I I probably shouldn't do that because sometimes when you have expectations for something, those are the things that get ruined your creative your you're you think too much and then the natural feel gets taken away.
1: Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, overthinking things is a problem that I have actually. So I, I feel that pain. Um, nobody puts more pressure on, on themselves though, than you know, like an individual artist who's, who's just, you feel like you've got an expectation. You've got to put out a certain thing or get a certain vibe out of it. And, uh, so yeah, it's a, the struggle is real, yo.
0: (laughs) The good thing is, is I've come to the conclusion that in the real world, if we do something, really bizarre. It's not, we don't have enough of a career where it's going to make or break us. Yeah. It's just going to be another Moss album. There's not millions of dollars on the line. Yeah. And you know, we don't need to be hitting any charts so we can decide during these sessions what works for it. So I think we're just going to throw a lot of things into the pot. And if the things that don't work out, go on the later weird EPs and things that get released. Sure. You know? So You know, that's always fine because there were Shadowlands leftovers that got released on this EP that are super cool songs, but they just didn't fit. Yeah. You know, and uh, much to the chagrin of our record label who wanted more time. I don't like records that are over 40 minutes and that's growing up with album length. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 40 minutes is pretty much the all you can put on a record and still have it sound really good.
1: Yeah, eight songs, five-minute average, Yeah, you know, and otherwise you start getting into, especially with vinyl presses and everything getting super backed up now, which I'm sure you're familiar yeah, well, with as yeah, well. Things,
0: I just got an email today from a record label of ours.
1: Yeah. The time, um, the time limit um, thing is that people don't think about that. I mean, you know, there's bands that have, you know, six songs that are an hour and a half, you know, and, you're, and you wonder why they can't put them on vinyl, you know, versus doing it on, you know, CD or digital. But, you know, that's, uh, you don't think about that. And, you know, from an outside, from a listener's perspective, having a, an optimum length album you know, versus when you go in to produce one, you're like, man, I got, I got too much stuff going on here. Well, and then when the CD
0: age came, people thought, they felt like they had to make long records. Yeah. And usually I found that around 40 or 45 minutes is when I would shut down. On listening to these records Because they would always put the lesser material at the end anyway Yeah
1: <laughs> So you're like, man, I,
0: Soundgarden could have cut, you know Super Unknown down a whole bunch or something like that, you know Sure Um, But that just seemed to be a, a bother And I've always made around 40-minute records Yeah You know, you know, Master of Reality is 32 minutes Rain and Bloods, 31 minutes oh. Some of the greatest records ever made are like a little over 30 minutes
1: Absolutely You know yeah. It's fast and it's intense and then you want to listen to it again. Yeah, man. Rain and blood is untouchable. Yeah. That's I'm yeah, glad man. to hear you say that. It's yep. definitely up there in, in one of my, my top albums of all time. It's
0: the kind of record you do not get behind the wheel. Yeah. You'll probably get pulled over. <laughs> you know, it's just like, man, this is too too much energy. Yeah. You know? Slayer's one of those bands that no matter how old I was, I would end up in the pit. Because you, you would stand outside and go, I can't help but let loose some of this energy, you know, and you would end up hurting yourself. <laughs> Slayer pits are brutal.
1: Uh, at least back in the day, they were yeah. brutal. Uh, my first ever concert actually was Slayer and Testament. Um, but I was up in the, you know, up in the kids section. I was guess you that say. the overkill one? Nope, it was, it was just Slayer and Testament. And uh, I think we saw them at, god damn, where did we see them? Maybe it was the more. Um, it was back in man, probably ninety maybe. Okay. Somewhere in there.
0: So it would have been like what?
1: Um It was uh um Seasons. Okay. Seasons yep. and then uh practice what you preach for Testament okay. was that era. Or maybe Souls of Black. It might have been Souls of Black. Yeah. It all runs together now. I can't keep yeah. my years straight. But yeah, it was pretty epic. And then, you know, down the road I, I saw Slayer again later and I was out on the floor, kind of a a GA style setup, uh, and it was, uh, <laughs> I was like, Yeah, I don't think I can get in. There. I mean, I must have weighed 100 pounds at the time, you know, yes, yeah. in that pit full of six foot five fucking monsters and <laughs> skinheads and punks. And that was back when everybody went to the same shows, you know, it wasn't yep. like, a, Oh, I'm at a metal show or I'm at a punk show. It was like, if there was a fucking show, everybody was just at the show, um, which Natasha's, uh, oh, as yeah. a prime example of a place that for me was, had just so many awesome shows at it and, uh, just a huge mix of crowds and everybody just kind of fucking smashed in there together. Uh, great, great, great club. Absolutely. That was my first real
0: venue that I ever played. Yeah. Oh, at Natasha's mm-hmm. before that it was parties and stuff like that. And then I played at Natasha's in 89, I think it was. Cause I'd only lived over here for about a year and a half. You know, I, I lived in Port Angeles before that. Yeah. Nothing, you couldn't do any, you had to play parties. There was no, you know, well, there there was some, you know, Rail would play with Max Planck or, you know, some, which was kind of cool. But uh, I saw Rail a couple of times. Well, that's, that's old school stuff. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're dating uh, yourself right there, uh, brother. I am 52.
0: <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, Slayer.
1: Mm, yeah good <laughs> stuff i love it i saw you checking out the possessed uh yeah, album was, over there i'm a huge possessed fan yeah. um i was actually just over in north carolina and i got a chance to hang out with emilio the drummer that was pretty fucking badass oh yeah and uh my friends over in in false prophet there um but i, I that whole era man just that that bay area stuff i'm a huge fan of um just that early thrash though. It was just raw Yep. you know bring me on the, bring me on the satanic evil shit and, you know, yeah. get the blood pumping. And then, uh, you know, I'll go home and, you know, chill out and relax after that. But
0: yeah, I was listening to Joni Mitchell on the way here. So,
1: <laughs> you know, that's I, actually,
0: she's one of my favorite artists of all time. And I, I use her to relax and to kind of get a mindset that, that acoustic album that we were talking about earlier that she's all her, her lyrical influence and not necessarily – well, her lyrical influence is all over Moss. You wouldn't know it. Yeah. I, but I use lyrics for hers as song titles. A lot of song titles are Joni Mer- Mitchell lyrics. Oh, crazy. And uh, But I used her uh, – her, like she's so transparent that it's it's like sometimes damaging to her character, you know, <laughs> and I use those kind of things. I'm going to let people know that, you know – I mean, we've all got things we don't like about ourselves or, or things we've done we're we're not happy about. But you know, you know, keeping it on a human level is okay. Especially, it's really interesting to do that in a hard rock or heavy rock sure. way. And I do, like the Funeral Suit, the acoustic album, those are the same exact types of lyrics that are on Shadowlands. But in Shadowlands, of course, there's a band behind it right. playing loud on Funeral Suit, you can really hear the lyrics. Yeah, you know?
1: I, I was telling you that I, I kind of can't put that album down, uh, the funeral suit, and um, I guess I, I have a huge appreciation for the singer songwriter stuff, the more intimate stuff, um, and so when I heard that you were doing an album like that, I was like, oh, that's fucking cool, because you know, why not, right? You've already yeah. done all the hard stuff. You've already done kind of the the punk stuff, the edgier stuff. And so what's next to, to accomplish as a musician, but to kind of break it down to its, you know, most primal, you know, fucking format, which is just you and a guitar or 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 you into whatever. Um, you know, I listen to that and I think it's got, it's funny you mentioned the Joni Mitchell thing, because it kind of brings me back to old, like 70s folk rock I get I definitely get like a, a little Neil Young vibe I get like yeah. a little like a Crosby Stills and Nash For vibe sure. off of it so yep. you know it's kind of not really southern rock kind of feel I would say but it's got those folk the very 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 strong influences in there uh the harmonies especially you yeah. know really yeah. kind of bring me back to that um I don't know if you're a fan of like Sons of Anarchy if you ever watched that show I did yeah but yeah. One thing that struck me about that show was that they would have these really, really, really like on screen when you'd be watching it, they would have these really intense scenes and they would always have... A very traditional kind of sad folk rock song in the back, right. and it was very emotional. And I thought I was listening to that. I was like, that just sounds like it could be on Sons of Anarchy, like during a scene I'd where like somebody's like getting their fucking skull crushed, or you know, somebody's having something really bad happen to them, and there's this really pretty mellow song in the background. <laughs> just a, a crazy, you know, juxtaposition of music and imagery. But um, it's, I, I think, that album. It does. It, it's like it is a very visual album. When you listen to it, you can hear like the lyrics and the things that you're talking about. um, And you can see it in your head. You know, it's, it's, I don't know if that's like a personal album for you, if that stuff was
0: super, uh, everything is like, is real. Yeah. And, and uh, and it wasn't always going to be that stripped down. Right. And then I wrote, Four songs in a couple of weeks that ended up being side one. What's it's, things are always still side <laughs> side
1: one, side two, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and then I'm like, this stuff sounds really good, and that's a Nick Drake influence. The last Nick Drake album, The Pink Moon. Um, he is, it's just him and his guitar. The other two albums before that were accompanied by strings and tons of overdubs, and it just ruined, to me, ruined my connection to him Mm -hmm. then he went in in like a day and a half recorded a bunch of tunes just him sitting there playing guitar that's when i really felt like a good connection so that's where that came from and i mean i've been writing acoustic music since i was in my late teens i've got tons of music over the years that is, is like a lot like this and then this finally this opportunity to to record some of that stuff uh came about and then i had had this huge like outburst of creative whatever towards that and finished it up
1: right on man very cool well we're going to take ourselves a quick little break but don't go anywhere because I'm going to play you a tune from this acoustic album that we've been yammering on about so here it is from the album Funeral Suit this is Moonlighting
2: Wounded the night takes form Shallows are gentle and warm Follow a moonbeam to how things they might seem And give yourself all to the cause Turn and walk away, I can hear you say you're lying since I went away, all that I can save is dying. There's something you should know I will never go moonlighting. Moonlighting. start, never too late to find heart through the hatred, never too broken to start, turn and walk away, I can hear you say you're lying. Since I went away, all that I can save is dying, there's something you should know, I will never go moonlighting, moonlighting. I went away All that I can save is dying There's something you should know I will never go moonlighting
0: now but i have a country rock band called (laughs) hot spring water oh shit and you talk you want to talk like neil young and crazy horse and crosby stills and nash with the band that's what that's like this band and we got one record out and uh
1: why have i never heard of this i don't know i didn't i should have
0: sent it to you i failed it's super and we play through six watt fender vibra champs like we're when we play it's like really two guitars bass and drums harmonies and stuff and uh Uh, It's real laid back and super Neil Young and that kind of stuff, you know, or the Stones when they would do country, like the 68, 69 era Stones. Um, And we do a lot of those songs as a band from the Funeral Suit record. Mm. And and we also write, we have a couple of albums worth of material now. Yeah. You know, and it's real, it's real Southern country based 70s rock. Oh, yeah, that's neat.
1: Definitely, we'll have to check that out. I uh, I have an appreciation for for that side of music for sure. Um, I remember I don't remember exactly like the quote or anything like that, but I remember hearing something when you were talking about maybe it was another interview that you did with somebody, but you were talking about making an acoustic album and, and you'd said, "I don't want to just take Moss Generator songs and do acoustic renditions. I want to take, I want to make these songs true." acoustic songs like write them with that in mind um for you what is the difference between just you know taking a version of a song um like a moss song and playing it acoustic versus making a just a fully acoustic tune
0: well luckily the chord the chord structures and chord the phrasing and stuff that i use is pretty applicable to acoustic even for moss songs but uh and 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 on funeral suit, lonely one, and wicked willow are both Moss Generator songs. On on you know, lonely one's probably our most popular song, lonely one, Kenobi, and uh, but and I recorded that maybe six or seven years ago as an acoustic version, and I think that just I I guess I can't explain how to ch- how you would how to change it or how to how, what makes it different. I don't play it much differently. I play it slower. And of course it has just more feeling because there's not a big band behind us. And then Wicked Willow is done on a piano. So that's completely different than the That That one's more of like a gothic song or something. It's more like a Bauhaus did it or something, you know, (laughs) with a piano or something. It's kind of a strange number, but all the way around anyway, but
1: yeah i uh i particularly uh like uh moonlighting and might just i think those two um just vo- vocally on those ones i i feel like uh they're very catchy and hooky um but yeah every song on that it's there's no i guess you'd say there's no throwaway songs right they're all like have their own identities they're all very solid they're all your They're all hope. really good. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna
0: <laughs> I'm gonna leave that opinion to you. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's why the record's only got eight songs on it. Yeah, you know it's thirty, under, you know it's under thirty five minutes, and that's enough for that situation. Like I've had it. Like you know after that long, you're like, okay, I've had it. What can we do now? But uh, oh, speaking of, and speaking of Mike Jest, we play that in the in the Hot Spring Water. Oh, it's sweet, super fun to play too. That's and sweet. it's played with a band though. Oh wow. Yeah. And if you if you listen to this the what is it? The not, the Bandcamp version on my Bandcamp page of that, it has four songs where I added accompaniment. It's got bass and drums on it.
1: Oh so The first
0: side of the record has and and it's weird cuz it's exactly the same but just with bass and drums added and it changes the feel a lot. It's yeah. really weird how that happens,
1: but anyway, and is that just you? Like, you just yeah. recorded some bass and drums on there and yep. said, fuck it, let me throw these in there? Yeah, and-
0: just for, like, if you want to buy, but get my version of the album right. rather than the record labels. Mine has extra stuff on it.
1: Okay. You know. Sweet. That- <laughs> well, speaking of record labels, though, so you've got, you know, Music Abuse, um, which has been a thing for for quite some time but you work with other labels as well in terms of having your own stuff out there on on different yeah, labels yeah we we've
0: been on about 15 labels i don't really put out my own music right on music abuse it's too much to deal with i have i really need to focus on being creative and when it starts to come down to those kind of things i can't handle that it takes away from me being creative
1: Cause there's the business element to worry about mm, and just
0: trying to get it all out there, getting this distribution. There's other people that are willing to do that, that have the money. You know, I mean, I've got the money to put out our records and they'll sell and I know I'll be able to recoup, but it's just, you know, all this is keeping me from being creative and I get up every morning really early in the morning and I go to the studio, which is at my house. I go out to the studio every day and I work on music, whether it be a client or my own that's happening every day. And when, it, when I can't do that because something's getting in my way, you know, sure, I get bummed out by that. You know? <laughs> um, so, and I've put out a few of my own records and, and decided against it.
1: Oh, gotcha. Okay. You know? Well, you do have a cool project, though, that it looks like uh, Necromandis. You're going to be uh, doing, releasing.
0: Uh- yeah, there's some unreleased recordings, some live stuff. And Necromandis was, you know, a band from the 70s early 70s they were managed by Tony Iommi mm-hmm. and uh they'd done some tour with Sabbath i believe they were they were even some roadies at some point they were just mates cuz they're from the midlands they're from mm-hmm. up, up in birmingham cambria area and uh so and and oddly enough, everybody in Necromandis but the singer, were the original Blizzard of Oz in '76 when Ozzy left the first time. He formed Blizzard of Oz with the Necromandis dudes. Oh, crazy! And supposedly, because I I talked to the drummer, he's he'd come out and see us when we'd go to England, and he said that there were recordings done, you know, and but they're either destroyed or in some vault. Uh, it would have been neat because you know Baz Dunnery was the guitar player, and he was really good guitar player. So that Necromantis record was shelved in '73 and never released. Then it was discovered by somebody in the early '90s, and it's been it was bootlegged on a couple of releases, and then Rise Above got a hold of it and did kind of more of a proper release with a live show. But I've managed to be in touch with the band and associates of the band that have got me like tons of live shows and leftover recorded stuff. So this has like some some stuff that has been released but was poorly wasn't restored and and wasn't, you know, noisy. So I've got four or five unreleased songs and then three released songs. So I'm pretty excited to be putting this out cuz they're one of my favorite bands actually when I think about 70s underground bands. It's a real shame that that Original album never came out because it could. It was good enough to be a, a contender up against many seventies, rock album. Sure, you know, and the guitar playing was was stellar. And and being produced by Iomi, people thought it would be super heavy, but it's it leans more towards a lot of uh, of jazz. You know, it gets a little progressive and and y at times, mixed with the hard rock thing. But I think Baz's guitar chords are what his his you know what he his phrasing and his chords and his how he put things together is what really really turned me on. I could understand what he was doing and was really like moved by some of his stuff.
1: Iomi was kind of into that jazzy stuff too, but he never really got to to fully integrate that but he did some kind of experimental stuff for a while where even Sabbath did some of this really bizarre kind of free-flowing jazzy things and it never really took off but I guess that's not surprising that he would uh, see a band like that and say, Oh yeah, this is kind of cool. Let me, let me get involved with this project. Did, uh, did, so you spearheaded this, you kind of figured out that this was going to happen and you said, I, I got to get in on this action. What, what the, the like getting that uh, whole project to come on your label.
0: No, I mean, because, well, the guy that is the middleman that's got me all these recordings. I mean, over the years, I've just like, I want to release this. And he would, we, over the years, we found all this stuff. We just found an acetate that somebody had, two of a song that nobody's ever heard. I mean, some of these songs nobody's ever heard, but some of them have been put up on YouTube by my middle guy, okay. my middleman. But, uh, uh, but now that I, you know, I'm like, I want to release this. It, it, we got the permission. And so this is all my, it's it's all, I did all the restoration. I did all the artwork. I did all that kind of stuff. So it, this is something for music abuse, you know, not me hunting down somebody, you know, this is something that was always going to be right. on my label. And it's finally in production. It's actually at the plant now. Um, and you know, there's only 200 copies, you know, there's not going to be any digital version. That was part of the agreement, you know? And uh, so...
1: So it's a true passion project. For Absolutely,
0: you yeah. I just want to hear those on vinyl, <laughs> you know, and, and I think a lot of people will be excited. You know, it's it's leftover stuff, but there's still some really good moments along the way. And you know, the live recordings are two microphones on a Revox right. reel-to-reel on each side of the stage, so you're getting, you know, back then the vocals PA's were always distorted, but yeah, you're getting, but you're getting something that you know, is a piece of history. Yeah, it's
1: just lost in an archive somewhere, and now it's kind of being brought back to life. Are you doing any kind of touch-ups or remasters or anything like that? Oh, I had to do a lot of work on. Yeah.
0: I wanted this to be the definitive version because, you know, like I said, a couple of these songs have been uh, released already, but, you know, the the speed was obviously wrong, and there's a ton of tape noise, and (laughs) this faded in instead of starting right off the bat. You know, and I have all these versions that are – Pretty, some of them are pretty deteriorated, but I was able to bring them back, especially for vinyl. Vinyl will hide some of those because you're already getting some, some low noise, rumble and yeah. some noise. So, and I made the side times under 20, like, were there good times? They're not too long, it's going to sound good. But uh, anyway, okay, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and lots of labels we've been on. We've been on, you know, most of the really cool underground labels. Yeah. You know. And uh, and I've done tons of things on. We've done. We've been on so many tribute records too. Like I've, I've personally, like solo stuff, or or Moss have been on tons of tribute records over the years, put out by really cool labels.
1: Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's odd. Are you in a Sabbath tribute band? Yeah. yeah. Is that still happening? I know that was. Yeah, a while we, ago. we're
0: talking about playing a casino, and that's just you know that's just me and and Joe White, Eric Sype and James Honeycutt we love Sabbath. So we just, let's go play. We've been doing it for over 20 years and it, it's never like, we need to do this for money. It's like, let's just go down to the Bethel and play some Sabbath,
1: (laughs) you know, like, so. Go play at the Bethel while the ceiling is still holding up. Yeah. We're trying to knock the place down. (laughs) We're hoping it falls down.
0: Not, you know,
1: but. uh, it Bows like (laughs) literally like over the stage is just like, Oh, somebody's going to hit just a really, really, really heavy thumping fucking bass note one day, and that ceiling's going to come crashing down. Yeah. It's we'll still standing. S- we'll
0: yeah, <laughs> it's made it through a tornado and all kinds
1: of stuff. Dude, that tornado. That was crazy. How fucking crazy was yeah. that? Okay, guys, just so you know out there in Radio Land, in Washington State, We've never had tornadoes, like ever. It just doesn't happen here. In fact, to the point where we don't even have a tornado warning system in place. So we had a tornado, and I was uh, off that day, but uh, at the time I was working at a store. It was next to the the Walmart there. And people were like, dude, there's a fucking tornado. And my people are calling me, and like, yeah, we're having a tornado right now. I'm like, you're out of your minds. And uh, yeah, sure enough, we had a tornado, wiped out a whole bunch of fucking shit. Uh, Houses got taken down, neighborhoods got taken down. It went Um, over
0: my buddy's house, ripped the roof off. Yeah. And, but, and and it was so, it's so weird. You can still see like the damage it did. I'd never seen any kind of real nature, right? Doing its thing like with ease. Just, and when I drove by and saw what it did, I was like, man, that's, that's some serious force. That's, you know.
1: It's one thing to say, Oh, Hey, look, there's like a little twisty thing or like a funnel cloud or, you know, like water spout. You get those over in Eastern Washington sometimes. Yep. But you know, when you see the video of it now after the fact and you realize, Holy fuck, you know, plus it was winter time, which is the bizarre time yep. anyway. And, uh, you know, my wife's family being from, you know, down South tornadoes are a thing they happen yep. all, the, all the time. Um, but yeah, it just, is it crazy that we, that we had a tornado here and I still can't get over that. And we here we we felt the wind going through because our trees were going crazy and i was like damn we got a windstorm going on here only to find out later that that was (laughs) it was passing through there on its way back out over the water you know where it dissipated but uh yeah it came right through and and just kind of blew us all away and who knows if we'll ever have another one but if we do maybe we'll i guess be a little bit more prepared for that i don't know yeah, what's more metal than a fucking tornado in the right. Pacific Northwest, right? It's kind of crazy. So I don't even know what we were talking about before we got off that tangent. Record labels, but, oh, but record we can
0: move on from that. <laughs> We've been on tons of it. Yeah, right
1: on. So, um, you know, I also, uh, you got this this new show you're doing. I don't know if it's a show per se, but you know, this recorded history that you've been doing mm-hmm. on on the old Instagrams there, which is really cool. Uh, it's kind of like the, the, the version of the Reddit Ask Me Anything kind of a thing where you're kind of preemptively just telling people about the history of this or that, a piece of music or, or, or a, you know, a song or something you did back in the day. So what prompted you to kind of want to get that started? Was that just borne off people asking you tons of questions? You're like, I should just preemptively answer these.
0: You know, all I can really think of is about my buddy Bo was like, you should do some program people yeah. would be, but then be careful of the comments. Cause people just like to be assholes. Oh yeah. Of, and so I think it, it really started. I wanted to explain some of the recordings, especially that Moss generator have done that were um, not typical of our genre. I wanted to put songs into the forefront that I thought were overlooked and really cool in production and writing, you know? So, I started, well, I put them up. Now they're all on a YouTube channel, but I was doing them on Instagram, which only lets you do 10 minutes. Yeah,
1: short, short little bits. And, uh,
0: which is probably enough, but I found that I was always having to edit them down. You know, always like, man, like, I didn't know I was talking that long, but, (laughs) you know, um, but I think that, that the fans have been really into it because I just, I break down the songs. I have the multi tracks, so I can just listen to the vocals or listen to the drums or, explain where this and that came from and how it was recorded. I think people are really, really digging it. It's fun for me. Cause I like to nerd out on that stuff. Yeah. You know, if I, I wish that, I mean, I know there are lots of things like that now, um, on, on YouTube, but I would go for more, you know, I'd love all the rush songs broke down. Oh, if man. Terry Brown sat there and talked about all the rush songs he recorded, I'd go crazy. You know, I'd be on that all day long. Um, but, uh, so yeah, I think it's it's something to to just keep the keep stuff out there. Yeah, and I've slowed down because I got other stuff I'm working on. Yeah, yeah, you're a busy mofo it's, for sure. It's pretty easy to do. <laughs> I mean, it, those are easy to do and edit, but still, you know, yeah, I've, I've been, you know, I did. So there's moss. There's the hot spring water thing. The country rock. There's Constance Tomb. Okay, which is a gothic right thing, and all those songs. There were songs from around 1988 that I wrote, and I re-recorded a bunch of them, and put it up on Bandcamp. And then I got a message from a record label saying, "We want to put these out on vinyl. These are great." I re-recorded them as close as to making them. I didn't do any embellishing. Now that I can play way way better than I could when I was 19, <laughs> you know. Um, and so there's that, which is fairly active. And then there's Big Scenic Nowhere. Are you familiar with that? I'm not familiar with that one either. It's a project that was started by Bob Bulch from Fu Manchu, and it has Gary and Bill from um, uh, Yawning Man. And Bob was just kind of bringing in guests. Like the first album has Nick Oliveri on it. It has a bu- you know a, a bunch of cool people on it, right? And I was on that. I was asked to guest uh, vocal. Sick, and then now it's turned into. I've done three records. I'm in the band, and we're having <laughs> guests. So I I went down to the desert, down to you know, um, I can't remember where it was, but we we're in the desert, like this big cacti and stuff, you know, and we recorded three days of jamming, and then then we bring it and I edit it and Bob and I, kind of put things together. I was playing bass during the during the jams, and then I do all the vocals and keyboards but then we had like pear who was in opus he played on something uh dan from voivod played a lead oh man um, which was like you know for me Voivod's voivod one of yeah my favorite bands um uh god and i knew that once i got into this situation i'd forget all the killer guests sure have been on it all kinds of people have been on these records and so i've made th- three records with them since I've been in the band. So we just, you know, we all know, hey, let's get so-and-so. Like, you know, just ask him. Just do it. He might right. do it. You know, so uh, these records have been really cool and, and filled with, with you know, work that we do remotely. We did the three days of jamming, and we've managed to make three albums out of just three days of literally free-forming, and then I'll take them and cut them up, and, and Bob and I will pretty much just rewrite shit over these riffs. And turn them into tunes. That's what I'm I'm a good at editing. That's yeah. one of my things I've worked on over the years, trying to make something from almost nothing. So that project is super cool and has been fun. I mean, I'm I'm hoping we'll get to play live, but I just you know, I, I go out and do all kinds of overdubs on these. Yeah. So I don't know what's gonna happen as a four <laughs> piece. There's like three or four part harm vocals and um so we'll see. And Live can be a different animal. That, that that happens. Some you can't reproduce it. You just play something else. You know? Yeah. But uh, so and then the, you know the acoustic thing. I'm I know I'm I know I'm gonna walk out of here and forget another band I'm doing. But
1: now you know? <laughs> I didn't. Wasn't there some movement with Twelve Thirty Dreamtime a year or so ago? That was a thirty year anniversary,
0: uh, and so the the Dreamtime material has been being released on vinyl. All the stuff we recorded on four track in the early nineties. And we did a 30 year show, and that was literally the next day is when all the everything shut down. Oh shit! So we played at the Manette, and it was a real bummer because people were already really scared. Yeah, I thought that that was going to be a huge reunion for people that I hadn't seen. We put a lot out in the world about doing it. I mean, the Manette was you know over half full. Sure, but we expected that. You know, because a lot of people are like, dude, I, I don't feel comfortable you know, and I, I, I I got it. So I don't, we're going to do a third volume. So we might do another show, but we're going to, a third volume would span would be three volumes to, for the whole nineties. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, that, that was something that came back together and I, and we were doing only the 90 to 93 era at that gig. And that showed me how much I've changed as a musician yeah because my playing was so much different back then and so pushy everything was so in front of the beat and just it was hard to get back into that zone I think it was good for me I liked being able to remember that I played like that yeah um and that's what I'm trying to add to my style now is that kind of thought process reintroduce it if you will
1: it's hard to go back and play stuff from the past of a whole different style when you've progressed you've learned new chops you've learned restraint um you learn how to kind of work the pocket a little bit Mm -hmm. and uh you know it's not just everything boom right right on the dot you know people get so used to any more click tracks and stuff like that and uh but I, I I find myself trying to play stuff that I played when I was a kid, and I, I feel like I'm probably in a lot of ways not as good as I was when I was a kid. But I think I overthink it now sometimes. But, you know, going back and just playing raw and fast and uh, just just with that energy, uh, I, I definitely I definitely miss doing that. Twelve thirty was, um, a, a pretty a pretty eclectic kind of a sound. It kind of had a, a this kind of punk vibe to it but kind of a pop vibe as well um and it really just kind of uh i think was different than anything that was here at that time there wasn't any other bands like 1230 um from what i remember i i i'm
0: glad you re- even remember it so that's pretty cool <laughs> yeah you, you you i mean that was during the time where i was funneling heavily any music i was taking in anything that i could find you know, and that was also a good time being a record collector because it was the time when they were switching over to CDs. Mm-hmm. So everybody was giving their record collect- collection to B and B Liquidators or Salvation Army, and I oh, was just buying whatever I could buy and listening to them up. it. You know, and then all of a sudden that would show up in the songs. Yeah, you know, and uh, you know now when I listen to them, like man, that's that's schizophrenic music, like you know. <laughs> But, uh, but you're, you know, there was a punk element. There was a, a, a no means no, that band were a huge influence mm-hmm. on us. But then you'd have a band like Big Star, which is the ultimate 70s power pop, yeah. was also a huge influence. So you would have all these things meeting in one, in one place. And it was a trip. And, and like I said, I keep saying now when I listen to it, I can't believe I put those items together yeah. with that much confidence. Um, and I would like to return to that. You know, we
1: we'll yeah, see what
0: happens with Moss. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I think that, you know, people are, people are ready. Things are opening back up. Bands are getting kind of reinvigorated. Practices are starting to happen again. Uh, shows are tentatively, you know, starting to happen again. And I think people have had now shit a year and a half, almost two years of thinking about what the hell they're going to do, you know, yeah. when, when yeah. The stuff starts to, to actually happen again. And now that time is thankfully, uh, you know, on the horizon. I mean, some places probably more aggressively than others, but, uh, I know that the Kitsap music scene is fucking dying for venues. Number one. Yeah. Um, but also just, you know, people want to get out and, and play and, uh, Kind of brings me back to, you know, people are like, hey, let's have a fucking house party, right? Let's yep. just go. Just we go. would
0: do that. Yeah. Oh, man.
1: I loved those. Yep. Those were the best. And, and you know, playing in somebody's living room, crammed up between their TV and their fucking stereo system. No, yeah,
0: we've got some great, even not, not too many years ago doing that. And it's just so much fun. Oh, man. We got uh, the Manette Moss on the 13th of August we've got that set up that's the second oh. time john o comes up Okay. Well, we need to play some gigs because it costs money to fly him up here and stuff Yeah. so let's like play a couple of gigs at the end of the recording
1: sessions you know and uh the,
0: hopefully that stays in place
1: yeah you know yeah and then uh we need a wood rot reunion uh you, you and we, paul we, need to get back together and well uh,
0: paul's the one that's always the iffy one yeah you know cuz he, he 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 understandably is usually upset that we only have maybe one practice. And he's like, <laughs> I can't not have sang like this for four years and then go do it. You know, that I have, to, I have to work my voice out. Yeah. I can't just go screaming like this, you know, after not doing it for 10 years. I would do, all of us would do a Woodrot reunion. I would practice right now.
1: Yeah. You know. No pressure, Paul. Yep. <laughs> Make it happen. Yep. Yeah. I, did, I,
0: re, I remixed all that stuff recently. Oh, really? Yeah. I put it up on somewhere, you know, but, uh, I'd love to have properly, not properly. Cause that was all music abuse. That sure. was all the Manette studio. And I would love to have gone into now and record the tunes, but I think it being on an eight track and raw is part of the, that's part of the beauty of, the of that.
1: Yeah. It's like, I mean, if you took, uh, four-headed baby, you know, oh. and tried to make four-headed baby sound, sound you know, good. like modern, yeah. the whole thing was I mean, <laughs> and I, <laughs> I talked to Paul about this before we played shows with four-headed baby and if you play after four-headed baby, there's nobody left, because right. that was their whole shtick, right? Yep, Get you out of the fucking venue, so like the clear di- the, place. the dice of...
0: <laughs> Kitsap County rock,
1: (laughs) but it wouldn't be any better. I mean, that was the whole point was, you know, make it just raw and fucked up and, uh, and stuff like that. Um, Yeah. I, I, I just, I love all that. I love all, all that old stuff. And I, I'm, I would say
0: with confidence that by far, I have the largest collection of Kitsap County music. Oh, I bet. Mostly, well, I recorded a lot of it, but that doesn't mean I wouldn't collect other people's demos, or that I didn't record or bands that were around before I lived here. Yeah, like Inverted Morals, or I mean, Hester Prime were before I lived here, but they, but they, and they were after. Of course, Sean went from Hester Prime to Dreamtime, but which that day when Sean Johnson pulled up and said, "Do you want a jam?" You know, And this is the drummer for Hester Prine, who was the, the coolest band yeah, in Kitsap. They were and a name I, band back yep, in the day. Yep. And he wanted to jam with Dreamtime. Did you lose your shit? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, dude. But like, I just got, a, well, not just, about 10 or 12 years ago, Stace gave me a bunch of uh, master reels of stereo mixes of the Hester Prime couple of demos. Because sometimes those original demo tapes that were ran off all of the entering a coma the 1987 demo all of them had one side that was muted everyone i've ever got can i can i like record that to see if it's any better than the one i've had i've got like 10 of those and they all were messed up well i got the master real mixes you yeah. got to hear it crisp oh, and clear and so then awesome. i discovered that i had the next demo on multi-track on two inch and i have a two inch tape machine and I remixed the second Hester Prime demo, and was just elated when I was doing. I was smiling the whole time. I was dumping down them because like, I know those songs so well right. and they're so good. So I think I'm actually going to do a Bandcamp music abuse site that's where I'm putting up demos from the l- late '80s and through the '90s of of Kitsap County bands. Yeah. So this is a place where people can find and people can message me and go, "Can we put?" Our demo up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And even if they, you know, you, you don't have our stuff, can we put it up there even if I didn't record it or I didn't recognize? Sure. Um, and a lot of that stuff, I still have the master tapes for a lot of music that I recorded over the years. Oh, crazy. Like the real, real to real tapes, you know? Because all that music abuse recording studio stuff was real to real. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I, that got.
1: <laughs> no, Kitsap
0: County people. Kitsap. We grew up here,
1: you know. And so, well, I guess bringing that back home, and with your your love of vinyl and your love of music and, and all that kind of stuff, I, I do want to give a quick plug to uh, Vinyl Injections, yeah. Um, because you know, I, I talk with a lot of friends of mine, and the the music store is just a thing of the past. I mean, it's sadly there's just so few of them, and until this place kind of came in, um, you know, if you wanted to get vinyl or you wanted to even get something that was like rock or metal or or something eclectic or imports, you were going to Seattle and you were, you were, and you were digging in Seattle. I mean, you were hoping you would find something. So, so a lot of that stuff that is at Vinyl Injections is, you know, came from you, right?
0: Well, there's a, there's a large portion of, yeah, a collection that either comes from my personal collection or comes from, uh, Stuff I've I've gathered over the years, like i when I find stuff at the Goodwills or whatever. But Jerry there, and it, it's ran by, by Jerry and his son Al. There's going to be, a, he's been getting a lot of what you would call live <laughs> albums, <laughs> you know, bootlegs, and, right. and, and so you walk in and there's there's these tons of bootlegs. That's a super cool thing for me, as that's the kind of record store I like yeah. when they're going to go to bring you the stuff you've never heard that's the real cool thing and he's he's bringing a lot of really neat 70s and 80s and 90s you know heavy rocks yeah absolutely and uh and it's he's doing really well there and i'm i'm glad that i got to you know i get to kind of just have a little hand in in being a part of it you know because he just lets me bring in whatever i want and sell all my records there and i you know i put up posters and did some pr for him and stuff and just it's just cool to see somebody do that. It really hasn't been since Portrait hasn't had a record store since Full Moon Music and that was in the early 90s. That was a long time that ago. It was Brian Moritz and and he had worked at those North Re- Northwest Records in the mall and in bit and did a lot of stuff at uh, going to record shows and stuff and had you know he has a really killer collection yeah I, I go to his house i'm like dude i'm waiting for you know that acdc <laughs> let there be rock australian
1: version yeah you know whenever
0: you're ready to sell that dude
1: uh, you know. i i uh i was pretty excited the first time i walked in there it's like a small little inconspicuous joint there in the old south kitsap you know mall area which uh I think a lot of people for a long time just kind of gave up on that whole area that, you know, nothing would ever really happen there, but there it is this glorious little record shop with imports and fucking like picture discs up on the wall. And I saw some old yeah. maiden stuff and yep. some, some Sam Hain stuff in there, or your know, old misfits and, and, uh, all kinds of cool. stuff. It was kind of like a little bit of everything. And still for people like me, there's some CDs and shit. Um, yep. I've been putting CDs and cassettes, <laughs> You there's know. a cool, like a local section, which has, you know, obviously some of your stuff in there, that
0: with the stand and everything. I'm like, let's get some local people in here, putting their stuff in for yeah. sure.
1: You know? Yeah. I think I saw some of Honeycutt stuff in mm-hmm. there yep. and whatnot. So I thought that was, that was pretty cool. Um, and I, yeah, I just, it, it, it just kind of made me feel like, okay, you know, there's, there's some people out there that still appreciate the music that still. You know, they're buying the physical stuff. I mean, digital is a thing. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I buy digital sometimes, but nothing like walking into a store and flipping through the fucking bins and like, oh my God, you know, I picked up, they had like a uh, Dire Straits uh, Brothers in Arms on vinyl. I was like, holy shit, you know, I love yeah. that album. It's one of my favorite albums of all time. So I snatched that up and then uh, just all kinds of cool stuff um, th- that I was really excited to see. Some, some older Fleetwood Mac stuff was in there as well. And, you know, piles of ob- obscure you know fucking rock and metal just from back yeah, in the day yep. so um, yeah so props to to you for helping out with that and and to you know uh, for them for for taking the risk in, in Kitsap County and, yeah and bringing it back you know and that's the cool thing about the
0: mall there too it's just like you know the, that space is is affordable for somebody to do something like that and they're definitely doing well there right and there's there's Silver City tattoo in Bremerton. Joe Boyle there has got a record store behind. Oh, okay. Yeah, nice nice little space. And then there's Kitsap Audio Video in Silverdale. In Silverdale, yeah. They have a nice space where they got records. So that's really cool to be able to, because for years there was, you, it was Goodwill. You guys go to a record store in town? I'm like, yeah, Goodwill. Goodwill. You know, and the Goodwill and Port Orchard for years had great records. And I found out recently that they're, they're putting that stuff on eBay when they think they look it up now before they put it out. So there's (laughs) no good records. I've bought so many really cool records. There's a lot
1: of Christmas albums in there though. Yep. yep. There's all that
0: junk, all that, you know, they're, they're they're not letting us have it anymore.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's too bad. Uh, I wanted to ask you one more thing, okay. uh, and this is, a, this is an old reference, and I'm hoping that you still get it, but um, if I say the phrase, blood's a good lubricant.
0: Blood makes a good lubricant?
1: <laughs> yeah. You know what's weird, dude? I thought
0: about that the other day. I actually thought about that title the other day. Yeah, that was me and Dan Clayton and Dave
1: Zulik, I believe. Okay. And what was the name of that band? It was like a super bizarre
0: Sifamulavengeli.
1: Yeah, okay.
0: It's two Lady Smith Black Mombazo songs put together. <laughs> and if you could say it, you could be in the band. If you could read it and and say it, you could be in the band. Here's what I remember: You fucking bitch. <laughs> yeah. You it's, fucking it's, bitch. <laughs> yep, Dan was having some prob, some lady problems, so he took it out on the microphone.
1: Uh.
0: Slowed down on a four track, so it sounded even more evil. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's some. There, I still have all of that stuff. Do you? Yeah, I I, I even mean, actually remixed it. I mean, I have so much material in the vaults, like uh. hundreds and hundreds of master four track tapes and stuff. But I have them pretty well organized you know my my main goal is to have them and a lot of them is dumped down but organizing them in a digital fashion is what i'm working on now going through every one of them each one each thing has a a, fo- a file folder that goes with it that says where it was recorded who's on it and and when and all so that Maybe someday after I die, someone will put together a box set or something. They'll <laughs> no, have all the information. Maybe oh, I'll just man. put together the box set myself
1: and just have it on a. Here's after I die. It's if a anybody fucking cares. Uh, time capsule. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the Tony Reed time capsule. Yeah, uh, that you should shoot it up into fucking space is what you should do. Yeah, do something. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that would be badass. So, well, hey, man, uh, your career spans so many different avenues that I, I could probably keep you here all day. But I, I think we've covered a pretty awesome amount of ground with some history and kind of, and what's going on with you now. But so what's, what's next then? What should we expect on the immediate horizon to to kind of hear from you uh, uh, going forward? Let's see. Well,
0: the big scenic nowhere album comes out. We have to have the next one is got to be done here in the next few months, working on the next Moss record. The next Hot Spring Water record is finished, but it, it, artwork is, is uh, being put together. And that one was recorded live at Mainline Music downtown. Okay. We got a, had one of those videos shot, the Mainline video. So we played the whole thing. It was properly recorded, multi-camera. And we're like, you know what? That's really good. We should release it on vinyl, have it released on vinyl. So a label agreed to do that. And uh, so, what, Big Scenic? You know, and there's always other things in the in the works. You know, there's another gothic thing. So the first Constance Tomb, all those songs were written in 1988. The next record was I wrote about 40 songs in 1988, and and I'm almost every year I write just tons of songs. So there's that, and then there's just other other things I'm looking into. So that's it's it's a daily thing of. Uh, Working on music, you know, and I'm, like I said, I'm, mi- I'm mixing a couple of albums right now. Right. Australian band, German band, and then the pre-production for this band from Olympia or south of Olympia. So there's always that work going on, and uh, I'll just continue to do it until... I can't anymore. I guess. Yeah, you know.
1: Yeah, and I guess in the meantime, if they want updates, they can just you know hop on your Instagram account. I don't. Do you do Facebook at all as well? Moss does. Moss does. Yeah. Okay, so you can check out the the Moss Generator uh, Book of Faces page. Check out uh, Tony Reed on the old Instagrams and uh, you know keep up with all that stuff.
0: Yeah, I'd, and I'd try, I and I try. I wish I didn't have to do all that stuff. It takes away from time.
1: You know i struggle I mean? with it myself yeah. trust me I, I i hear that all the time uh, about my social media presence probably not being as robust as it could be um it, it is what it is and, <laughs> and all those
0: groups have instagram oh they have facebook you know hot spring water and all those have all my projects and the studio does too which i don't work the studio luckily over the years i haven't even had to have i, I don't even know why i have business cards right you know over the years it just
1: things just show up. Now the yeah. work shows up and you can't really ask for more than that. Yeah, no. Awesome. Well, uh, appreciate you uh, swinging by here and hanging out with me and giving me some of your time. And, uh, this has been, this has been awesome. Open door for you anytime you All want right. to come back. And, right. uh, I would love we'll come to come back
0: when you get the, the, when we get the new done. studio, yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, When we get that up and going, uh, that'll be awesome. We'll, we'll make that a thing. And uh, anytime you want to promote anything, you just, you know, give me a call and, uh, We'll get behind you on every project you do, your all brother. All right. So, Appreciate uh, that. Thank ladies you. and gentlemen, Tony Reed. Thank you so much, man. Thank you for having me. And of course, thanks to all of you out there in the wasteland, as always, for tuning in. Make sure to follow Tony and all of his bands on all of his social media channels. And do the same for me here at Misery Point Radio. And if you're in Kitsap County, make sure you stop by Vinyl Injection in Port Orchard at the South Kitsap Mall. Buy some shit, support local business, keep record stores alive. Gonna leave you now with a tune from Moss Generator. So here it is, the title track off their latest album. This is Shadowlands. KFMP, bitches!
2: I'll tell you.